This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within podcast. Well, we were back at it again and that meant we were going after another slam. So I've got Matt Gindorf on here. And we're going to talk about my most recent slam, the New Zealand wing shooting slam. So it wasn't a upland or it wasn't a waterfall. It was a wing shooting slam because it was basically anything that could uh, be considered under a winged animal, I guess you could say, was in this slam. So how are you doing today, Matt? I'm good, Mark. How are you? Not too bad. So I know you've been kind of busy over the last year. What have you been up to? Yeah, it's been busy, both family and work. I mean, work is good, you know, and we're we're plugging away. You know, this, you know, usually you have a kind of a, oh, kind of, you have your, you know, just crazy hang on to your britches time frame. But it's just been this way for for the last year, year and a half. And business is real good. So, I mean, you've got to stay on top of it. So travel's been down. But uh, been doing a lot of a lot of sports with the kids and and uh, haven't really been doing a lot of getting in the field stuff, which is starting to itch. And, but I got a good fall <laughs> plan, so yeah, things are good. Yeah, I know I know all about the uh, the travel sports. It adds up yeah. adds up yeah. quick. It uh, does. And you kind of touched on something for any, anybody listening. Um, the demand to get in the field and hunting has been crazy ever since COVID. And for anybody that's wondering, it has not slowed down on either tag applications or booking with outfitters or just generally getting in the field where wherever you can. We have a lot of brands that deal with with hunting and fishing, and and they're all crazy right now just with activity. So anybody that was wondering about, hey, did that COVID kind of high stop? It hasn't. It really hasn't. You know, I've... I've been through a lot, whether it's COVID or 2008, you know, I've been doing this long enough to, to go through the the peaks and valleys multiple times, but it just, the valleys have really gone away and they really have. It's normally, you know, you, you're busting your butt throughout the year. And then when you get to kind of, oh, let's say, 
you know, first end of May, first part of June, you know, when we're kind of kind of that period where you're waiting to see what who draws what mm-hmm. or you know, so guys are kind of just, oh, I don't know. I'll see what what I what I draw and what I don't draw. And, you know, it's just usually that's the time where you can really, really dig in with your outfitters and, and get inventory and just, you know, just kind of touch base again and, and plan for the following year or, or now. Nowadays, it's planned for the next two or three years out. And it just really hasn't been that way. So you still got to do that side of the business. But you're still pounding away on emails because people they're they're wanting to travel. And now I think, you know, last year I think you can accredit that a lot of that to you know all the countries coming open again. Yep. You know, fully being open. Um, so that was kind of expected. But yeah, it just there's always something that really the foot's not off the gas by the clients. I can tell you that, and the guests that are looking to travel. No, and that's that's. One for anybody that is looking to to go on a trip. It's not one that I would plan. Um, I mean, shoot, nineteen. I guess before COVID, you could kind of be that nine months in advance. I guess mm-hmm. you could say um, to go with the the best and and dates and and areas and so forth like that. I would start planning not that nine months. I would be I would be almost two years in advance, eighteen months type of thing to to really be locked in if you're looking to go on a trip, especially if there are multiple people and you've got a specific area or a specific hunt that you uh-huh. want to go on, I'd, I'd start planning farther in advance. For sure. I talk to a lot of guys that say, Hey, I'm just, you know, just researching and digging. I want to do, you know, this hunt I'm thinking 2025. And I just tell them, I, congratulations, you're doing a great job of starting now, yep. but I wouldn't, I, I would, I would continue down this road because like you said, it's going to give you the best opportunity to get dates that best, you know, suit your schedule, best suits, you know, particular animal movements or, or bird movements or whatever it may be. So planning ahead. I mean, I would say that 80% of the trips we're doing, we're working a minimum of a year to two years in advance. Yep. And that's just yeah. because they're booked up right now. Just. Oh, yeah. Choice. I mean, it's, hey, what do you got this year for elk? Well, uh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> what what do you have for caribou or you know, and there's so much there's so much movement going on in the hunting world right now when when talking about things like caribou and sheep and you know, some of those, you know, travel big species. Um, you know, there's just a lot of change going on. Yep. Yep. And especially I think you mentioned the big two, right? It's the elk and caribou. Caribou used to be, I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't very long ago that caribou was a relatively cheap species, adventure species mm-hmm. that you could go after. Mm-hmm. And those days are gone. They're just gone, right? It's it's mm-hmm. now limited where you can go and have a high success hunt. And they book up so far in advance right now. I know I'm, I'm heading to Alaska this year and I'd booked this one mm-hmm. a while back, right? Heading, mm-hmm. heading to try to get my barren ground caribou. That's been my my white whale. So hopefully this August, it'll, it'll be the one that one that's a successful trip for me. Yeah, and I will I will say that there's still I think the guys, you know, there's there's people out there that are looking to travel that may be on the same kind of goal set as you are is like they're looking for a specific species and they've kind of, you know, and they're trying to plan that out and they do that a bunch. But then you get a a, a bunch of people out there and and when you're after that, mm-hmm. you know, you're you know talking about guys that are kind of going after you know a specific species you're kind of stuck to one of the good things about planning ahead is you know you're going to get to pick dates but a lot of those species you know the prices are increasing i mean it's just it is what it is whether we're talking about caribou or eggs or gas it doesn't matter yep 
but I do get a lot of people that are, they're just looking for a good adventure and there's still a lot of great value out there. You there know, are some of that, some of that tends to, you know, be more international, but there's still, there's still some great value out there for the guy who just says, you know, I just want to go on a really cool adventure. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of good ones. So and, and planning ahead, planning ahead's the key. Yep. Yep, I've been on a couple of those cool ones, Argentina and New Zealand, that we're going to talk about a little later here. Both, both some of those ones to if you're looking for international adventures that mm-hmm. that are great values, those are those are it. Um, mm-hmm. It has been pretty cool to see over the last couple of years the increase in um, wing shooting adventures that people are going mm-hmm. on. Right, so if it's Turkey, yeah. it's, it's upland, it's waterfall, it's just a growing demographic. Um, in my opinion, it's the fastest growing demographic of, of hunting, right? It's not, they're not more elk hunters. They're not, well, I guess there probably are more elk hunters, but that, that's not growing like waterfall hunting or upland hunting is. I think that's like my personal opinion. It's more accessible. It's easier to do with a large group. Like I've done, Mm -hmm. everybody knows I've done a lot of waterfall hunting over the last couple of years. And it's a, uh, you're not sitting in a tree stand by yourself. Yeah. or hiking with one other you're in a blind and there's generally a lot of people there so the camaraderie is high and it's it's fun which has been been great to do over the last couple of years but it's also great to see those that that category grow in general in the hunting hunting industry um yeah i would agree i would agree and i think one of the reasons it's it's growing is because you can still if you're one of those adventure seekers you know you could still go to some really, really fantastic places on without breaking the bank. Absolutely. And, and, and again, this is something that instead of me going on a big adventure to Alaska or something like that, you know, where I'm going to go collect a specific species, I can take my buddies or, you know, three of my buddies can come along with me and we can go have a truly magical time, whether it be in the States or, South America, or mm-hmm. South Pacific, or Africa, or Greenland, or any of those other wonderful wing shooting destinations. Well, you it brought, is, it's, it's awesome. You yeah. brought up Africa, so I got to touch on this real quick. You went to South Africa and did some wing shooting, correct? I did. So, yeah. So tell us about tell us about that experience because that's that's on my short list to do. Um, I've been to Africa multiple times. Um, have done some wing shooting down there, you know, but most of the wing shooting I've had, I've done down there has been, you know, on an afternoon after chasing, you know, a big game animal. I didn't book it specifically to go on a wing shooting trip. This last one I did was a specific wing shooting trip. And I, I, I gotta be honest. I mean, I didn't realize the depth of, bird species that i mean i knew there was a lot uh-huh. i didn't realize there was i mean there's like four different kinds of spur fowl and there's you know guinea there's just a ton of upland species and a ton of waterfowl species and there's you know and they're they're broken up for sure but a guy can really it's all really really good really good wing shooting um you know one of the good comparisons is you know, whether we're talking rock pigeons and doves, you know, there versus Mexico versus Argentina. I mean, Africa holds a candle to any of those destinations. Really? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a, as shoot to the heart's content. Yeah. What's- I will tell you that one of the things I truly fell in love with and uh, 
seen a ton of them. I'm sure you have in your in your treks to Africa, but guinea fowl, right? Yep. Oh yeah. So you know they're walking around the blind, or they'll blow a stalk because you run into them while you're stalking mm-hmm. something, and you just they're just kind of a oh there's this you know and you may have shot a couple every once in a while, but if you go on an African driven guinea fowl hunt, it is one of the great. <laughs> Really? It's okay. Of, well, that's got to be on the list then. I'm telling you, it's one of the coolest things ever because it's a bigger bird. Um, they fly their challenging target. They come ripping out of the brush. Um, and they come apart. When you center punch one of those, it looks like you shot a pillow. I mean, <laughs> just they truly are really, you know, because I've done some driven pheasant stuff and yep. some driven red leg stuff, but there's, there's nothing like a driven guinea fowl. And they're, you know, and they, they move. I mean, they're, they're cruising. And then the whole African bush beater, you know, that whole scenario and that, what it takes to orchestrate, you know, a successful one of those is, that's pretty cool. I really fell in love with it. Now I know there are multiple species of guinea fowl over there. Were you just Uh, going after one or were you going after a couple? Uh, yeah, I would be lying to you if I, if I dug it there. Yes. There's a handful of them. I was shooting guinea fowl. I didn't okay. dig into it that, that much, but there are, yeah. I, and I shot, you know, Swainton's, um, partridge, spur fowl. Um, I shot spur wing geese, African shell ducks, red shovelers. I mean, I shot a bunch of different stuff. And, you know, the duck hunting was over decoys. And the goose hunting was over decoys. Oh, I shot jippos or, or Egyptian geese. They call them jippos down there. Um, so, yeah, it was really, really cool. But, yeah, the diversity in species is, I don't think there's another country that's got more birds there. The one thing I didn't do that I am, that I will do is I'm, I'm really intrigued in the sand grouse story, the story of the sand grouse. And then I think there's like six or seven or five or six different species of sand grouse. But um, that I, I want to dig into that further. That's one that's right on right at the top of my list. And there's a really good chance I'm going to, I'm going to get that done here in the next, in the next year, probably. Oh, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. So cool. you've traveled all over. Where's been your favorite spot to duck hunt? And it's a tough question for, cause there's yeah. so many great ones, but if you had to go one spot, your last trip, if I'd, yeah, if I if the if the good Lord said, Matt, you got one spot left to go duck hunting. Um, I mean, I love Argentina. Argentina yeah. is just it's truly phenomenal. But that world's changing too. I mean, it's changing a bunch. Like this year, just like the Argentine government does, they shut down Buenos Aires province where you and I shot uh, during the during your waterfall slam. Mm-hmm. Just out of the blue, they shut it down. Now, you can still hunt north of Buenos Aires into Entre Rios and up into Santa Fe and up north. But now going, you know, simply west into the farm country, they just they just decided on opening day that, yeah, no, we're not going to do this. Just the old opening day. They let yeah, you know. But, just perfect. Yeah. But on, you know, if, if they said you could go anywhere and do anything, yeah, I mean, I... And I've hunted northern Argentina too. That's fantastic duck hunting. It truly is. Um, but gosh, that's really a tough question because I love a good greenhead shoot. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that's really, you know, or, or I'm, you know, I grew up and I'm sure you probably did the same, you know, we grew up where mallards were kind of a rarity. Absolutely. You know, but, they weren't anything but, like they are now. But we knew exactly when the bluebills were going to be, in, mm-hmm. you know, on the big water. So big water spreads, shooting bluebills, um, you know, and you might get a rare widgeon or something like that. But, you know, a good diver shoot. You know, one of the things I've never done that I want to do so bad, it's about, I mean, and I'm trying, trying to find it. I just can't find the right spot is like, uh, you know, a traditional big water big bluebill shoot like up in ontario uh-huh. you know i've never i've never been up there i've never shot birds in ontario you know up on the saint lawrence and up in the big water up there that'd be a fun one for sure you know it, i would love to do a traditional um you know kind of a, a body suit or body boot and they call it you know where you wade out and you've got a series of uh decoys out in front of you but you're you wade out and like I mean, you can do it in chest waders, but then they have a big silhouette where you lay your gun behind you and you're literally, you're not laying in the decoys like in a layout boat, but you're standing in the decoys in, you know, knee deep water. Mm-hmm. That would be really, really that cool. That would be an awesome one. But then you compare that down to like just duck hunting in Mexico. It's it's just as awesome. Branch shooting on the beach in Mexico. Are you kidding me? That was one of my favorites that I've done is that branch shoot. Just, I mean, just dig a pit in the beach, throw up some decoys and have Brant come at you at about 10 yards away. Yeah. And you swear we got to get out of here. It's 1045 and there's going to be lawn chairs on this beach in an hour. I mean, it's it's a beach. Yep. That's awesome. And so there's so many cool places. Alaska. Oh, Alaska's amazing. And I think like that was one of the other ones I was going to ask you and you just, you kind of hit on them, right? Like wing shooting destinations, there's so many of them, so many adventure spots, so many great areas to go for either duck hunting or upland hunting. And it's not just in the U S right. And I think that's what we're kind of, we're kind of tapping into here. It's not just U S based, right? Not U S Canada, even Mexico. Like they're awesome ones in Canada, awesome ones in, in the U S amazing ones down in Mexico. Some of the best duck hunts I've had are, have been down in Mexico, either in Sonora, which I've had some fabulous ones. And by, by the way, I'm just going to tap on this too. Best free range quail hunt I've ever had Sonora, mm-hmm. Mexico, hands down. Hand, mm-hmm. hands down just because they don't have the predators and they don't have the pressure. It was phenomenal. Right. Yeah. But even out of the North America, there's so many great spots in the world to go duck hunting or upland hunting. So mm-hmm. many that anybody that's listening, if you, if you're a, a waterfall guy or an upland guy and, and just, just research some of them, hop on our website, WTA, take a look at some of them. They're, they're affordable. And I mean, true adventure type trips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you think of, you know, like Western Montana, sharp tails, oh. roosters, you know, um, you know, and, and then you got new, new destinations like a Greenland, you know, Greenland, we're going to, we're, you know, that's pioneer in that day. Mm-hmm. And we've got, you know, we, year one under our belt and we've got some adjustments to make, but, you know, it, it is one of the most spectacular places to go shoot. And not every place is, when I talk about spectacular, is it all about, you know, your limit? Yep. A lot of it's got to do with where you are, um, the surroundings in which you're doing it in, obviously the people you're with, but just, you know, being here right now, chasing that bird. Yeah. 
it can turn it can turn big gameish real quick. Exactly. Oh, especially when yeah. you're looking for what? Yeah, exactly. When you're looking yeah. forward to those target, like when we were looking for the king off the shore in Greenland, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you compare that to just sheep hunting, just covering. Yeah, totally. We're going to set up a decoy spread here. Nothing. Okay, we're going to move and set it up here. We keep getting more aggressive, and then all of a sudden it happens. Yeah. But you know, yeah. And that's one thing I've learned too, is going to these you know, especially destinations where maybe the, the species or the, the particular species you're after exists, but maybe the hunt style is completely different than maybe what you and I would be used to. Right. Yep. And so we go there, we go, we go to, let's take Greenland, for example, we go to Greenland. We know that their way of harvesting is floating into those birds. It is what it is. Right. Yep. But but you do that and you can understand if you dig into their culture and you dig into their ways. And I mean, they're, they're not, they're not after the thrill. They're after the bird when they go out to hunt, you know, since the Inuits have been Inuits, they're going out to harvest period. They're not going Mm -hmm. out for the prettiest one. They're not going out for the oldest one. They're going out to harvest. And that's based on the regulations that they've set for themselves Harvest means I get X amount and I'm going to get those X amount as quick and as fast as I can so I can get home because I've got other things to do. So when we go to these destinations and we look at things like that, that may not be how you and I want to do it. But I think it's important that you embrace that, right? Because it's their way of doing it. Yep. And then like we did, we brought decoys. And then from there, you know, and... I think you and I can attest they tilted their head a little sideways when we said, this is what we're going to do. And they're like, yeah, uh-uh. that ain't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we got the opportunity to try it and dang it. I thought it worked pretty darn good. I thought it worked pretty good too. <laughs> I mean, you got a King, but how many commons did we get? I mean, oh that my was, gosh. That was, yeah, one, was that was just yeah. sideways snow. Couldn't feel the yeah. fingers. The toes were going numb type of day, but I mean, commons at, 12 yards just coming yeah. right in, in like, your face like you've never seen like i've never seen before in my life and they just kept coming and coming and coming yeah. and it was yeah. one of those and you, the harlequins weren't open so you had harlequins flying in the decoys yeah. and landing at six feet away from you just i mean just amazing and i think one of the reasons why you know in that particular situation they don't do that is because in order to be successful decoying you've got to be where the birds want to be right yep. so that takes yep. that takes scouting which you and I grew up, that's what we do. We scout. Yep. We scout, we set up, we set the trap, and we go get it done. 100%. They they just, oh, cripes, I got four hours. Let's go get some ducks. Boom, they jump in the boat. They run out. There they are. Boom, boom, boom. They're good. We got our ducks. We're back home. Yep. And so for them to, you know, it's it's not only them teaching us. And the same thing in Africa. I went through it, you know, and decoying spurwing geese and, and ducks and things like that. They're like, why would you ever? I mean, what's the purpose? I'm like, well, because it's a, here's why. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was, you know, their whole thing is, you know, binoculars and they just jump shoot everything. But. You know, then we started digging some pits and, you know, I got an African guy sitting next to me in the blind and all of a sudden this thing locks up and here it comes and about lands on our throat. And he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that thing got that close. And after that, he was like, yeah. And he's like, okay, now I get this. 
And so I think, I think that's one of the fun parts of, you know, what we do is, is getting the opportunity to explore those new destinations and, and, and go do that and then watch it grow and, and watch the two cultures meld together to where we can successfully host people that have, you know, a world-class experience. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we mentioned a bunch of great ones. Anybody that's listening again, Greenland, what I consider the last frontier of, of true wild waterfall hunting. Um, we are operating there and, and going after kings, so make sure to check that that out. That's a amazing destination, one I can't wait to get to again. Um, but let's talk New let's talk New Zealand here. So obviously we we started yeah. this adventure um, with the Upland Slam in North America, continued on to Waterfall Slam in North America, which I got a lot of gray hair and lost a, lost a little bit on the hairline during that one. Um, then continued down to the, um, South American waterfall slam. So it was one of those things of where do, where do we go next? Do I, do I follow it up with the South American upland slam? Do, what do we do? And, and kind of, kind of decided and fell on New Zealand, right? It's, it's different. Mm -hmm. Um, very extremely diverse in game. So it wasn't, they don't have the numbers of waterfall or the numbers of upland to go and, and set kind of like a slam by itself so it was one of those like mm-hmm. when we developed it we put everything together um and that's why it's a wing shooting slam versus a waterfall slam or an upland slam um all there was 14 different species that we went after and I, I kind of put them in a waterfall category an upland category and then kind of a miscellaneous category almost but when i came mm-hmm. when i came to you with this one what did you think well i mean i had hunted waterfowl down there i th- you know, and, and the waterfowl hunting, I didn't, I didn't see that to be an issue, but mm-hmm. like, like we talked, like you just mentioned, it, it didn't, uh, you know, this is the first slam where we really combined both upland and waterfowl, Yep. you know, just to, just to make it to where, and then we had to go through. And one of the things, you know, we, we have to remember about New Zealand is that nothing's native there. You know, there's no, everything's introduced from big game to birds to, all kinds of stuff. I mean, I think the only native species to New Zealand, and I could be wrong, but I remember check as I was down there uh, just before you this year and, and, and talking to the guys who, you know, have grown up there and are big hunters. The only thing I think that is actually native to the island of New Zealand is like this brown bat. Uh-huh. So everything else has been brought there. Yep. Everything else has been brought there. And, and so you can go down there and shoot mallards and Canada geese and all kinds of different stuff. But then they also have paradise ducks and they have a, you know, they have their version of the shoveler and, you know, they've got all these other species. And I knew that the waterfowl side, because there is, I mean, waterfowl hunting down there is legit. I mean, guys, yeah. my first shoot I ever did down there was with, uh, was on the North Island, um, just North of Wellington. And that was with, um, a guy who literally like farmed his property for Canada geese. And that was, it was an amazing shoot, but they still acted like Canadian geese. Mm -hmm. I mean, you couldn't stand out there and blaze orange, but so you had to hunt them just like we would hunt them here. Um, but the big, so there's, so there's a passion for waterfowl. One of my biggest worries down there is there's, there's limited upland species. Mm-hmm. They are present, but it just doesn't have the tradition like waterfowl hunting. So anything we do anywhere we're going, obviously we want to connect with the right person that can kind of help steer us in the right direction. And, and when we're looking for particular species and 
there there isn't a like diehard New Zealand upland hunter. No, and and it's after, just not. After having been there, the the there's nobody really with dogs, right? There's not a there's yeah, not an outfitter. There's not a yeah. there's not a guy that's like, yeah, I got a kennel of four dogs, right? They're all upland yeah. dogs. Like you can go to South. Yeah, I got two pointers and a, two pointers and a yeah. Center or any any you know? anywhere else that we've done this, um, there are people like that. In in North America, I've got my dogs, right? It's not like I'm gonna throw. Yeah. I like this is too far. I can't throw my dogs on a, a two day trip to New Zealand yeah. to to get them over there, right? It's just too far. Yeah. Um. So that was as as we were planning this whole thing out. The upland by far was most challenging i guess you could say um, for sure but i was excited because really like when i was packing for the trip knowing after going after waterfalls you're gonna throw in the gotta throw in the waders and all the all the stuff you need for for waterfall hunting right and it's it's just like waterfall hunting anywhere in the world um upland all right got to throw in all the the upland stuff now you got your vest and you got your brush pants and and same thing and then you've got these what i call miscellaneous species right like you've got the turkey they're merriam turkeys there um the pukeko which i like i'd been to new zealand before i don't think i ever saw a pukeko um but gorgeous bird and then all of a yeah, sudden I don't, like, like, got the pe- yeah. got the peacock on the list right and i'm like yeah. peacock how do you like what is that like what do i need to pair <laughs> for that like those things are actually wild what and they are i tell you what so the the day that i spent peacock hunting i had mm-hmm. a absolute blast i could have done that for 10 days that was it yeah. was it was so i i love i don't like I love turkey hunting. I love spot and stalk turkey hunting for whatever reason, right? I'm not, I'll yeah. self-admit, I'm not a very good caller, all that. So I got into spot and stalk turkey hunting and I'm like, man, this is like elk hunting, but you get to do it on a turkey. And if you mess up, okay, you can continue on another one, right? So I, yeah. I've, I've spot and stalk turkey hunt a lot in my life. So when we get there on, on Peacock and, and going after them, so we pull into a completely different area. It's almost rainforest-ish, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. Big, big mountains, but the mountains were tree covered. And down mm-hmm. below they had the pastures, but there was a sheep farm. I mean, thousands, thousands of sheep, right? Mm-hmm. And the peacocks would come down early in the morning and they would eat on the fields, but then they would go back up into the forest midday, which makes sense, right? Like just in any other animal. And I'm 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 expecting like I'm expecting to see this zoo-like peacock, right? Just giant in the field, not moving. No, these things are as wild as they can get, and they are in groups of up to 50. And they see oh, it, yeah. and they are just running and gone, just like a turkey running and, and straight gone. I so, was just going to say, their vision, I've only seen one group of peacocks, but I was like, I just happened to catch a glimpse of like the tail of one, you know, when you're doing the drive or yep, whatever. You yep. just have, and I go, what the heck is that? And he's like, oh, that's a peacock. And then I, because, um, but I didn't see them until they, within 30 seconds, they were 80 yards up the ridge running. Yep, running, running and then they tuck in the I'm rush like, and go. Holy, what the heck? Yep. Yeah, they're yep. crazy. And that was the same thing. We went out that, that morning um, and just cruising the road, glass in the fields, and you see some, but they're gone. So I saw the the big group heading up there. I'm like, well, there's 50 of them, right? I got to get lucky and run into one of them. So I saw sure. the angle that they were running at. I'm like, in my mind, like tur- spot and stalk turkey hunting, a turkey will run out of the field if they see you at that distance, but they generally stop in the tree line and will, sure. will hold them because they don't know what it was and they're most likely going to come back out. And I'm thinking, okay, people yeah. can do the same thing. So we get off to with uh, Lee and, um, Kelton 
or with Adam and uh, Kelton, camera guys, and we start going going up the hill. And I mean, it's a New Zealand hill, right? So you start off yeah. very strong, but you're going basically <laughs> straight up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very quickly, you're like, oh man, we're not covering any ground. And it took about 45 minutes to get to the same level they were, but they were they were showing in like this this rainforest, so it's thick and it was completely spot and stalk and got a female first and then a male. And I, I was like, it was it was way cooler and a lot more fun and way more challenging than what I ever thought it would be. Like it yeah. was it was it was awesome. Like that was one yeah. on the list I didn't have any expectations for because I just didn't know what sure. it was going to be like. But it turned out to just be awesome. Yeah. But that was that was the fun of this one is is the diversity. So I'm a anybody that's listening. I'm a obviously we've got this stuff posted all over my social media on YouTube. You can you can check it all out. But like in the in the waterfall category, there's six of them, right? Black Swan, which I had never hunted before. Um, mm-hmm. I had hunted tundra swans here in in the U.S. and and going into it like like when you hunt tundra swans, you know there's a lot of them, but you don't see them clustered together, right? Sometimes you'll yeah. see you'll co- like. I take that back. When I hunted them in the Dakotas for the waterfall slam, all of a sudden everything was frozen up and you find the one lake that wasn't frozen. And so they were all there. They, there had to be 600 tundra swans there, right? And a big white swan, I mean, it just takes up the whole lake. I didn't, I, like, I didn't know what to expect. So then all of a sudden we go out for, we, we had one day we were targeting black swan and the shoveler. Mm-hmm. And we go out there and I kid you not, the lake we hunted, there were 3,000 black swans on it. I mean, I'm like, holy smokes. I mean, they were everywhere. And a black swan is just awesome. Got a big knob on its face. Um, And I mean, it's it's a swan. They're big. They're big. They're they're legit swan size. Yeah. I mean, they're (laughs) awesome. And that day we also got the shoveler duck. And and this is one, Mm -hmm. like, there are a couple on here that have got multiple names, right? Like, some people call it New Zealand shoveler because you shoot it in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. A lot of people call it an Australian shoveler. Some people just mm-hmm. call it a shoveler duck. It's the same duck, right? Yeah. Same same, yeah. same duck. Cover, colored up shoveler. Got a great male and a female that day. Um, and then along with that, there's uh, probably what New Zealand's, I guess in my mind, is probably most known for is the paradise duck. Yeah. Right. Just a, The paradise, paradise duck's part of the shell duck family. Yep. Just a... I mean, which is they have those in Africa also. Yeah, they're a neat duck. Just, a, I mean, it's a big, colorful duck, both the male and female. And yeah, they're I both had, gorgeous. I had hunted them on my previous trip to New Zealand. I mean, we had I had just spot and stalked them along a river is how I mm-hmm. did it. And you always see them, like, when I'm there, you see them out in the middle of these oh. fields, and they're in pairs and so forth, and you never see them grouped together. But the I want to say it was the third day of waterfall season when we were there. We set up for a field shoot on them. And mm-hmm. oh my goodness. Yeah, they come hard. Oh, they do. And they come right into the decoys. I mean, <laughs> right into the decoys. So you're yeah. like, and they're gorgeous, right? You can't shoot one that's not pretty. So, like, you see these yeah. ducks coming, and it's just that was like, I'm going through this list, I'm reliving everything. And that was, that was one of those like an awesome experience. Like, you think New Zealand waterfall, you think paradise ducks, and we did a, a field hunt for them. And I mean, just hammered them, just hammered them. And their uh, their sound is unique too. Yep. Yeah, it's really a different. It's can't even explain it. But once you, it's one of those sounds. Once you hear it one time, it's kind of like an oscillated turkey you pick singing. It up. Yep, you pick you, it up. You, I just need to hear it one time, and boom, you'll never not hear it again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then also on the list, there's um, so this is again same duck. It's got two names: it's a gray duck or a Pacific black duck. Literally, mm-hmm. and, and they, in New Zealand, they call it a gray duck. So during the slam, I refer to it as a gray duck. And they're 
is very similar to a hen mallard, except the, mm-hmm. the bill and, and legs are, are not orange, right? They're different colors. Um, mm-hmm. So you can tell them, but then there's all sorts of different hybrids off of a mallard and a gray duck too. So if you go to mm-hmm. um, the New Zealand uh, fishing game webpage, they've got a ton of different pictures that show the hybrids and so forth of that. That was a cool one. We did that out of a field hunt too. And then I like to travel all the way around the world, two and a half days of travel. And the last two on the list are a mallard and a Canadian goose. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah that's, that's so true. But yeah, I mean, I remember, I'm like, what? Greenheads? Yeah. Yep. And, and I just remember a, my first stop down there. And yeah. a bunch of greenheads, a lot of greenheads, <laughs> a mm-hmm. ton of mallards. So we, I mean, I, we got into the mallard just about every day. Canadian geese, we got out of the, the big water hunt that we did. Um, and then we also did a couple of field hunts and all of a sudden you just have Canadian geese show up and, and the guys would have the decoys set and, and you'd get yeah. into them. Right. And yeah. they're, they're just a lot Canadian geese in New Zealand, no season. Uh, you can hunt them all year, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, nuisance, really interesting. A nuisance bird, but I mean, just again, a ton of them, that lake we were on, they had probably a couple thousand geese, a couple thousand black swans. Then all of a sudden you've got these ducks, but you can barely see them because you've got all these big birds everywhere. From my Upland Slam in 2019 to the South America Waterfall Slam in 2022, anytime I'm headed on a wing shooting adventure, I'm picking up my Benelli shotgun. If you want to dominate the skies, shoot a Benelli. See their full line of Benelli shotguns online at BenelliUSA.com or drop into a retailer near you. Leupold offers some of the best optics bar none. I personally have their BX4 range finding binos and never go to the field without their Pro Guide spotting scope. I've got a Mark V on all my rifles, and also don't forget, they've got some pretty sweet eyewear as well. For more information, visit leupold.com. Worldwide Trophy Adventures is your ultimate outdoor connection. We all know that good hunting ground and great outfitters is becoming increasingly difficult to find. The only way to ensure access to the best area and outfitters is to spend a lot of time, money, and effort to research these destinations. Worldwide Trophy Adventures does this legwork for you at no charge. By booking your trip through WTA, you can rest assured that you'll be in a great location with a reputable outfitter that we have certified and endorsed. So if you're looking to book the trip of a lifetime, make sure to give the team at WTA a call at 1-800-755-8247 or check out their website at WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com. Yeah. No. Yeah, there, you know, unlike we talked about earlier, the waterfowl thing was... Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Gravy. I thought, yeah, that'll that'll definitely get done. But when you, when you start digging into the upland side of things, that's where... That's where, that's where I got a little, little nervous. Yep. Like, man, we got to find the right, we just, and it just not. And then you've got species there that, you know, are cool to a huntable species that were introduced that like nobody in New Zealand, that like there's been one shot in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. 
you yes. know, species, species, especially when you get into, you know, like one of the quail species there, that brown quail. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was introduced in like the late 1800s. And they'll even say it didn't take, you know, and you talk to anybody and I talk to a lot of people and they're like, yeah, I haven't seen a brown quail in 25 years. So then those, you know, species like that, yep. first of all, you know, we take that species off the list, but second of all, uh, even if we did find it, I think both you and I'd feel guilty shooting the only one. That's exactly. Seen, exactly. Seen. So, you know what, we just, let's just eliminate that and concentrate on, you know, the other species like chucker or other quail and things yep. like that. So, yes. and even going through that type of stuff, you know, we knew that like the chucker was going to be near impossible. Just yeah. It was yeah. going to be, it was going to be an absolute grinder, not only just the limited number, but nobody, nobody loads the dogs up and takes them up to the top of a snowy dang mountain and and says yeah let's go chucker hunting today well no, i mean it doesn't happen in new zealand imagine anywhere you hunt chuckers trying to find them without a dog yeah i mean it's <laughs> so so exactly so the species that we we settled on for our for the upland portion of this there's four mm-hmm. it's a quail which we did the california quail matt mentioned the brown quail mm-hmm. and so forth that there just, just wasn't, a, right. I put it, there's not a sustainable population of brown quail, right? So we're not going to yeah. go and, and add that to the list. So we had a yeah. uh, California quail, the good old rock pigeon. Got to get them mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Pheasant, the old ring neck. Again, I like to travel mm-hmm. two and a half days, get in those ring necks. And mm-hmm. the chucker, right? Those were, yep. the, those were the four the four upland ones. Um, in New Zealand, we were, we were hunting every, they're different regions, just like in the U S right. They all have got different seasons. So we had to bounce around with where, where the quails open right now and, and, and so forth. Um, and California quail, quail hunting, like you imagine, we didn't have a dog. We hunted them just, we hunted, we hiked up and down these, these little gullies, right? Like the guys mm-hmm. had seen them there before, but I never hunted quail without a dog. It'd be near impossible. Can you imagine going down to Arizona quail hunting yeah, without a dog? It just doesn't seem right. No. No, so, but I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's the, the guys over there did, I mean, they worked their tail off, right? Even though they didn't have a dog and, and we got into a, I mean, just a gorgeous male right off the bat on mm-hmm. the quail. Um, the rock pigeon, we were, we were, we had different plans for them, but then all of a sudden we were set up on that field hunt and all of a sudden rock pigeons started coming in like crazy. And we must've got, I don't know, 25, 30, the first, mm. the first day we were there and just, just got into the rock pigeons, um, pheasants of course are in a different part of the island so we had to hop in the car and drive four hours to get to where there were were pheasants located on the island but then once we got there um that was who we hunted with they actually had dogs so it was a traditional hunt right and i just Mm -hmm. remember we were we were hiking and again like anybody that that seen pictures of new zealand been there wants to go there like it's so picturesque everywhere you can always it see is. mountains and, and of course there isn't a bad view. No. And pheasants aren't hunting up. You're not hunting up high in the mountains. You're down low. We were next to a Creek and, and there's mm-hmm. thicker grasses and trees and so forth. It's like picturesque pheasant hunting, right? Like I mm-hmm. would, I would say Montana, 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 Wyoming used to be in Iowa, right? Like that's, that's what you would picturesque. Um, and we'd made a couple of hikes, been going at it, and you could see, and, and guess what? Pheasants run. They still run in New Zealand, just in case anybody wanted to know. So we could yeah. see some, and the dog would get excited, and all of a sudden you'd look ahead 150 yards and just see a rooster just with its head down, just hauling the mail. And then all of a yeah. sudden 
turn back, hiking along this this little creek and and sun kind of hitting you off the left, looking at a mountain and the dog locks up on a on a little brush pass right next to a tree and you're like, oh, this one's this one's holding. And there goes mm-hmm. the rooster right over the creek in a perfect shot and down goes the, the New Zealand rooster and we ended up getting getting into a couple of them that morning. Um, okay. But again, just just an awesome hunt. So that leaves the chucker, right? The, mm-hmm. Probably the toughest on the list that we saved to the last out of this because we were just trying to get through everything. And to, to set up the chucker, right? Everybody knows chuckers are high up and in the mountains. Well, that's exactly what New Zealand is. There, there's no <laughs> shortage of high up and there's no shortage of in the mountains and in the snow, right? So you could literally, if you had a dog, you could hike Every day of your life, chucker hunting on a new area in New Zealand, I don't think you'd cover them all, right? In yeah, what could be yeah. considered chucker habitat. And there's there's yeah. no chucker outfitters. There's nobody no. that really just goes out and goes after chuckers there because there's not that many bird dogs. So when we no. start asking the question, everybody kind of gives you that that sideways look. And then in their head, you're like, oh, man, this guy thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> and that's, that's what it is. And so, you, you know it's bad when you got to go. No, I'm serious. No, I'm serious. We're going to do this. And they're like, yeah, yeah like okay. I really want to do this. And they're like, yeah, whatever. So, so Duncan, I'm serious. So Duncan had feelers out all over the place. And we're asking anybody, anybody that stops and talks to us and, and is in the hunting or whatever. And like, Hey, you got any of them chuckers? And they're like, what? No, I haven't, I haven't yeah. even seen a chucker or whatever. Yeah. We don't even, we don't even have those. You no. Know, so, so, so somebody that Duncan knew, um, through a, through a, uh, a dairy business, right. Mm-hmm said, yes, I've seen chuckers in an area that, that I go and hunt stags, a free range stag area. And yeah. I was just up there and I've been up there, I think he said four times for the year hunting. And I've seen them three of the four times. Mm-hmm. And I told Duncan, I said, man, I like those odds. Now, just, hey. be, just that's just being where they're at, right? This is no yeah. dog. This is, again, you got to, when we line up, they got to go on my side of the line versus on the left-hand side of the line. That's right. Like there's so, there's so much that goes into this, but anyway, so we, the, the last day, all this is, this is the last part of the trip. All we're doing is this. So we meet them in a, in a small town, have a, a great lunch in like in the little New Zealand cafe. And, and they've got, I'm going to go off on a side subject here. If anybody hasn't tried a New Zealand pie, you have to meat pies, meat pies. And, it, and, it, it. and it's not <laughs> it's a, and it's, I was going to say, it's not a, not like a cherry pie and apple pie. It's not that type of thing. It is a nope. pie and it's not just, they put meat in there. You can get like a pizza pie. You can get Hawaiian pie. You can get a breakfast pie. Like they are. New Zealand is known for pies and it's known for little bakeries that make these pies. And they are amazing. And then the whole time I'm like, why don't we have these in the mm-hmm. States? These things would go like mm-hmm. crazy. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we have one of those and, and, and the farmer meets us and he explains where we're going. We're like an hour away and we get about 30 minutes into the drive and he stops alongside the road and walks back to the car. We roll down the window and he's like, see that mountain off in the distance? I'm like way peak snow covered. And, and I'm like, yeah. It's like, well, that's where we're going. I'm like, okay. And he looks at me and goes, you sure you still want to go? And I'm like, yeah, we're, we're, we're in this. We are in this. And it was one of those that, hindsight we got really lucky because there was a storm that just rolled in the day before and that storm brought snow into the mountains so going there it didn't look like that was going to help but once we got there you'll you'll understand in the story why it why it did help so anyway we get to the get to the farm go through the gates get on the get on the guy's ranger and start driving it back so now we've got let's see there's five of us jammed in this in this little ranger thing 
And when we get there, it's an hour there, but now it's like an hour ranger ride. And this ranger ride is something is steep. It's going through creeks. It's going up 1500 feet, almost straight up, like all sorts of stuff that you wouldn't want to bring a ranger through. And we're taking this thing through it. And I mean, it's snowing and blowing and, and all of a sudden we get to the peak and he's like, this is where I've been hunting to where I've seen them here. And he points from one mile to about a mile and a half the other way and said, they've been in this area. And I'm just like, now we're needle in a haystack. I mean, it is, he pointed out about a 50,000 acre area that he had seen these birds in. And we're lined up five guys, no dog and two two of the guys filming. They need to get up in front of me. Right. So I'm like, okay. And we start walking and covering ground and wide, and I'm I'm down low with the mindset we're going to kick them off the hill. And worst case scenario, they're going to fly low, right? They're going to come come past me. So we're kind of lined up and with with that purpose. And I look and I'm like, dang, those are chucker tracks in front of me. In the snow. In the snow. So I'm like, well, the snow came last night, so they are here. Like all of a sudden, you get a little perk. Like there are birds here, and now everybody along the lines like, hey, I got chucker tracks here, I got chucker tracks here, and and we cover. We now it's everybody's, you know, when you see a bird or something like that, everybody picks up the pace. Now you're walking with a with a mission and you're covering some ground yeah. and we go all the way to the end and we don't we don't kick anything up. And you're like, huh, yeah. okay. Then I'm like, we should probably go back and look at the tracks and you know, maybe we should just follow the tracks, right? <laughs> if we follow the tracks, we're gonna eventually find the bird at the end. So I get on the track, same thing, the guys are lined up high. The only problem with following tracks, you're looking down the whole time. Oh yeah. So I'm looking down at them in my Especially head like this. The, it's not like you're following, you know, whitetail no. moose tracks. I mean, you're talking rapids <laughs> an inch and a half long. So this is this is where the story gets pretty good. I'm like, I'm looking down at the tracks and I'm like, man, these are getting pretty fresh. And I look ahead and everything looks the same. And I, I come to the point to where the tracks actually cross on a two track. So I'm walking on a two track now and there's a group of four to five birds I can tell that are walking together. And I'm like, it is probably 24. 22 degrees out wind is just whipping i'm like man i can't imagine anything living up here and i'm like they have got to be in some cover and the second i did that i look back down and all of a sudden you hear it right there goes the cubby it's gone Ugh. and that How many is birds? and well the thing that hurt is they jumped up about 12 feet literally right in front of me Ugh. and i raise and it's one of those things i'm and in my head i'm like don't shoot while they're so close right you always waste that first shot just trying to get oh, it yeah. off so I'm like, got time. this is this is one of those just like in my head. I've already got it in in my trophy room. It's mounted. Yeah, it's, I'm like, this is it's it. Flying from left to right. Yeah, I've got this. It's gonna look awesome. And I, I start to swing, and they hit that yeah. tailwind, and they went from 12 yards to 50 in about a half a second. And now, yeah, now just, I'm like, oh no, I'm behind. So I'm swinging, yeah. I'm shooting, and I'm behind, and they they dip over, and I miss. And I, I'm like, I. My dad always calls me calls me lucky, and I have to consider I am usually during a, during the slams when I only get one shot at a bird, I've hit it. And yeah. this, this is one of those to where they went over the hill and I didn't. And did I say some choice words? I may have. I was so <laughs> mad at myself with 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 that. And it was God bless editing skills. Yep. Right? The guys come over and they're like, "Wow, that was awesome!" And I'm just sitting here like, I can't believe I missed. They jumped off at 12 yards. Like I, I was. I'm just trying to relive it. And we, we saw where they coasted down. But again, they coasted down and down the side of the mountain, out of sight. So you're like, how's this going to work out? But we've got a couple hours left. So we hike down there and start start walking and covering ground. And 
it was the same thing. Like I thought I saw him pitch and I never saw him come out. So they're like this little rock ledge there and we're on the opposite side and we'd covered everything and we're like, all right, let's give it one more chance. Right. I'm on the side and we're lined up and it's one of those things as you stop and you start talking, done it in the field with roosters all the time. The birds get nervous, Mm -hmm. right? All of a sudden they take off. And the first bird takes off, miss, gone. And all of a sudden the second one takes off and he, I kid you not, he's at about 80 yards and I put a 15 foot lead on this sucker and I shoot and it just crumbles way down the, Gold, no, the I, golden bb just one bb right in the brain and it crumbles but i mean it was gliding now and down the mountain it went i mean 500 find this little bugger. 500 yards well well the guy had his lab with him that was walking by his side and the lab when he saw that bird go down came to life and ran down there to go and get it oh awesome so that that was it that was that was i i try to not be obnoxious, not yell and stuff in the camera, not not do that. But this is one of those where just the raw emotion comes over top of you. It was like that King and King in Greenland, right? The raw emotion yeah. comes over top of you and you can't yeah. can't help but yell or holler. The snowcock in Nevada, right? Like there's certain yeah. things like that. This was this is one of those moments that Chucker came down and just was amazing, right? Just set the whole trip off, completed the slam. And it was pretty cool. The next day we were bringing everything to the the taxidermist there that was going to prep it and get it shipped to the States here. And, and I asked him, I said, how often do you have you, do you get chuckers? And he goes, eh, let's see. I think I got the last one in, in 2020. <laughs> You're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and the one previous to that. Yeah. Never. Yeah. And you're like, wow. <laughs> and they were that out of everything that, that I hunted, they were, everybody was more impressed about that chucker than anything. Right. Oh, that was yeah. that was the cool part about it. So that was that yeah, was I'm, that was the four from the upland category. You uh I was fortunate enough to be high on the text list when that uh bird fell and you sent me the video and I was like, Well, first I'm like, Well, where in the where in the hell is he? Yeah. I mean, he's way up. I mean, he is I way go, up. I just I just left there and it's a blizzard. What are you doing? No way <laughs> and then, way up. Yeah. And then uh, that bird flew out because you could see it kind of at the camera angle. And the bird, I mean, that bird is down because you're kind of, my understanding is what you guys were talking about is you're headed for kind of the, this little bowl where it had some brush in it, yep. you know, thinking that's where they went. And I mean, that was a good, that was quite a distance in front of you, but this bird came out of that cover and went out the opposite ridge. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, there you go. And all of a sudden, and that thing just crumpled and just continued to keep its flight path as a ball of feathers and just kept falling down the mountain. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he hit it. And not just you, you know, were excited. The whole group was just like, oh yeah, they were just cheering. And it was really, it was really cool. It's hard not to, you know, be, uh, feel it. Yeah. That's the, like the fun part about these slams, right? Like you go with the, my field producers, the camera guys and in, in like on this one, Sean, everybody's vest. Sean was with me. It's a vested, right? And it starts way in advance with the planning. And then yeah. once you get in the field, like everybody gets that feel and it is a hundred percent. I haven't done one of these as a single individual, right? It's a team along every sure. stretch of the way with how we do these. Well, and I, I was fortunate to hunt with Sean the week prior, you know, we hunted stag together and went and did a bunch of stuff. And I, I mean, he's a, just a, Oh, great peach dude. of a human peach of a human being yep. i mean just a real joy to be around and very very knowledgeable and 
Yeah, just a really good dude. Really good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's dig on. So that leaves one one more category, which I called the old miscellaneous category here, and that was yeah. it held the uh, the turkey, the pukeko, the peacock, and the spurling mm-hmm. plover. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a diverse mix, right? So this is the last four that will complete the fourteen. Um, we were fortunate enough the first day there to take a turkey, and they're they're Merriam turkeys there, and it's and they're like we how do you hunt them and they're like well we usually use a rifle or we spot and stalk and i'm like well i'm not going to use a rifle but spot and stalk is right up my alley so yeah. we were out that morning and, and glassed up a couple of gobblers on the hillside and, and grabbed adam behind me and the brush was so high right it was like perfect and there are no predators there it's not like here in michigan where they got to worry mm-hmm. about coyotes and everything like that so there are no predators and they're they out there getting their sun and we were able to get Man, at one point, I think we were like eight yards away, just oh, popped geez. around the bush. And it's one of those things like where the turkey lifts its head up and it's like, what is that? And you just yeah. are staring at each other. But yeah. that was <laughs> that was that was the turkey. It went great. Um, the pukekos, we actually saw them off of uh, we were duck hunting and, and saw them around there like, like a, I guess you call them a swamp hen, right? That's what they yeah. basically yeah. are. Colorful. Um, yeah, super colorful, super colorful bird. Jump shot them after we saw them. Um, the peacock, we already went over and the, the spur wing plover, right? Like nobody, nobody goes to New Zealand to hunt a spur wing plover, but we were as, as anybody that follows along knows, we like to, to try to get as diverse as we can off, off the list and just about cover anything that we can. And this is, it's a cool bird. We were set up on a field hunt. It was that paradise duck hunt and had a spur, actually had a, a bunch of spur wing plovers come by us during the hunt. And I was able to, to drop one of those and, and it is like mm-hmm. it sounds right there's spurs on its wings um mm-hmm. i'm trying to think it's kind of like a, a spur wing goose in in, a, in africa right yeah. they will take one yep. of those it's got these spurs and it uses it for when it's coming out of the water and and so forth like that and it's a cool bird yeah but yeah, yeah that's an interesting one to add to the list for sure but that was it that completed the new zealand wing shooting slam by far the most diverse slam that that I've done, um, and a fun one again, like I can't stress New Zealand hunting, right? Like the scenery, you said it, there's not one bad view in New Zealand. doesn't matter if you're standing at the airport, right? You can look across the, the runway and all of a sudden you're seeing mountains or when you're coming to land, if you're in the city, you can see the mountains. It's just, it's, it's clean. It truly, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it, it truly is one of my favorite places to be. A fa- and, and you know, the flight we all know is long, yep. right? It is what it mm-hmm. is, but it, it is, uh, and I love all the places in the world, but man, I just, I truly, it's one of the few places where I can really just unplug and I'm not talking unplug from email and that type of stuff, but it just, I feel so relaxed when I'm there. I can, you know, you and I can land, you know, land and walk through the airport and it's all English speaking yep. and it's easy. We can go and have a burger and a beer somewhere we can you know we could rent a car if we want i mean they do drive on the wrong side of the road but that's all right but um it's just you know it's a great place for the hunter it's a great place for hunter and spouse mm-hmm. there's always stuff to do spending time in whether it's you know queenstown christchurch you know any of those communities wanaka which they're just beautiful towns and it's very laid back, and you can do anything there. It's and the, the weather is amazing, and the people, the people are, are so awesome. nice, so nice. Yeah, and the food, yeah. like the food, is great too. 
There's yep. it's a, it's a different it's a different right. But I consider New Zealand food to be more. I don't know if wholesome's the way wholesome's the right yeah. word. Like cleaner, it's just good. It's just yeah. good. It's like good. It's it's great food. It's great food and. Uh, I think you know I'm a big wine guy, and they got some good wine yeah. over there too. I can speak from experience on that one. Yeah, I love you know everything. You know, at the hotel I stayed at in in Queenstown, there right out the front door. I mean, it's crazy because it sits right on the harbor, and they've got like this walking open mall. But then you look across the street, and there's this little itty bitty door, and it just says bakery on it. And mm-hmm. you go in there, and it is handmade from meat pies to donuts. I mean, it is fantastic. And then you go around the corner and there's, you know, a Louis Vuitton store and right next to, you know, right next to Jerry's homebrew beer, you know, I mean, yep. it's, so it's all right there and it's just so cool. Yeah. It's uh, and the, the views are spectacular. Yeah, no, it's just awesome. Again, it's one of those unique ones. Anybody that's listening that wants to go on a unique one and truthfully, it turned into a pretty high volume shoot for me along the way as well. Like it's yeah. it's not your typical six duck hunt. I mean, it's it's diverse and and it's a lot of wing shooting, but it's one of those if you're looking for a great adventure that's something not that, that you haven't done or that's different. I mean, check New Zealand out. They're great to kind of mm-hmm. piggyback on a big game hunt, take a couple of days and do a wing shooting adventure over there. Um and we should probably touch on the on the big game hunting, right? Like I've I've Big game hunted on this trip as well. I was able to take a free range stag, a, a white tail. Um, I mean, just had a, a great trip like that. Did some predator hunting along the way too mm-hmm. at night. Got on the possums, which are uh, possums and wallabies at night with the spotlight are fun. I will say that. Mm-hmm. They are yeah. extremely, extremely fun. Yeah. No, I mean, the, you know, the duck season is going to open down there. The waterfowls, most of your bird seasons are going to open right around, you know, that first part of May. That's going to be your waterfowl season. There are some upland bird hunting. I wouldn't suggest somebody going there specifically for upland. No. But, you know, those seasons are going to open in mid-April. But waterfowl is going to kick off in the first part of May. And that's a great time to combine that with any kind of, you know, if you want to. It's a a really good combo destination. Mm Mm-hmm. And especially it for really some of the, the unique ones, right? Like most people would want a black swan or a paradise duck mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. the shoveler duck, and those can those can be combined on a red stag hunt. Yeah, or for sure. Any any of that type of stuff or a, a tar chamois. Those are those are great mm-hmm. add-ons and, and great fun. Yeah. So no, it's a, I love it. I love that destination. I love I love that a place on the planet. I'll tell you that. Yep. So now it's now it's time to 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 kind of discuss like what's what's next, right? We got. We got another one, another one coming. Um, so I think on we're, this, we're working, we're working, we're working on it, right? Like there's a lot of pre-work, especially when you're dealing with international destinations. So, um, yeah. I will say that I think it's going to be an upland one and mm-hmm. I'm not going to give the, the destination yet. Um, but it will be an upland, upland slam. And I think that this will be in the planning. I think this will be the last slam that I do. And, and I'm going to give the, give the reason for that in a, in a second here, but I've done the, again, I've done the upland in North America. I've done the waterfall in North America. I've done the, the South America waterfall. Um, now I've done the New Zealand wing shooting and they're, they're great, right? Like I tell everybody, it's, it's like a, a sports season all wrapped into, into one. And, and there's so much teamwork, so much planning that goes into it. Um, 
and I've got one more I want to do, and I've had this one on. I've had this one from the beginning that I want to do. It's gonna. It's a lot of travel. It's gonna be a lot of different bouncing around. A lot of a lot of changes every year with it. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun and extremely challenging at the same time, right? But as yeah. I've as I've gotten into these, what I want to what I, after this one, what I really want to do, I'm not leaving the the wing shooting scene, right? Like I love it. It's part of me. It's my DNA. I, I, I love walking behind a dog. I love the early mornings of throwing out decoys. I love all that. I'm going to transition after this upcoming slam. I'm going to transition more into a storytelling of it, right? Like you mentioned the sand grouse, right? Yeah. Like that would be a cool one. And there's so Such many, a, coo- so many yeah. cool stories like that, either on the location or on a, on the species or the culture behind it. And that's, I'm going to mm-hmm. keep traveling to unique spots that you don't get to see very much on, on TV or, or that captured on film. I'm going to keep doing that. But I think after this, this, upcoming slam that we're going to film in 24. Um, I think that'll be my last, last upland slam, last slam of anything like that. And after that, we're going to move on some pretty darn cool stories all centered around, um, wing shooting species. Yeah. So, no, I think, and, and obviously you and I discuss a lot, you know, and planning and things like that. And I, there is, there's just some really, I think there's some really cool cultural stories to be done. Um, and that's, uh, you know, the, the slams are awesome and they've been super fun, but there's some species out there that, you know, there may be multiple different subspecies in the species, but the story of that species and the culture around it is super, super cool. Mm-hmm. And I think those would make great stories. So I, I love your plan. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one with the slam because <clears throat> it's, it's a different app. It's a different aspect of it, right? Like the slam mm-hmm. is, is this competitive and how do you do it and the ups and downs and so forth. But like with that chucker in New Zealand, I never got to tell the story of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like where yeah. they, how long have they been there? Find the guy that's locally, that's haunted them, um, that that's gone that route to really, to really dive into that. Where, mm-hmm. where there's some awesome, awesome things in Europe. There's awesome things in Africa to where I can, I, I want to go and, and do those types of stories. Like, I love that part. It fits really well because a lot of those places I can film during the off season here, or at least what I consider off season from big game hunting in the fall. Um, and as you know, I coach, well, I coach it's about five to six months a year now. It's getting, it's getting aggressive, mm-hmm. but, but Shelly's getting, she's only got five years left and then she's out of the house and then I'll, then I'll go back to 12 months a year. But right now I can, I can live on the, the, the six months of filming. So I find things that fit my schedule that, that yeah. I love doing that. I think people love to see. Um, but yeah, that's what, that's what we've got coming for the future. And, and we've got one more slam. And then after that, we're going to move on to some pretty darn awesome stories. Yeah. No, I love it. Yeah. It's all good. Well, perfect. I got one more question for you on the, on the rank of, of trying to get everything scheduled and lined out for a slam. How did this one rank to the other ones as far as how hard it was? Uh, this one wasn't terrible. It wasn't, it wasn't the North America waterfall slam. No, it's going to be really, really difficult <laughs> to top the North American waterfall. Um, that one. Yeah. That one had us both pretty much at wit's end. Just, just the the tightness of the calendar and yeah all the stuff so but we this one wasn't bad you know like i said we talked about in the beginning you know the the challenges were just some of those upland species that you know there's just not a lot of upland tradition there but you know with the right group of people and you know as we stated before it's you just happen to be the trigger guy there's so many 
there's so many people that were so gracious that help us through this process and, you know, boots on the ground type people that, that are engaged. And we're lucky to have a portfolio of outfitters around the world that, that truly are just forget about hunting. They're just awesome people. Amazing people. You know, and they just were so we're lucky, lucky to have team, a global team like that. So, um, yeah, this next one for the record is going to be a challenge. I'm not going to say what it is. That's your job. But yep. This one's going to be, you know, this one's going to be, a, a, it's going to have some hair on it. It's it's going to take some work. It'll be a good, it'll it's be a good last, it'll be a good last one to end on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every time we do these, I'm like, well now, and we've been successful in each. So now I, I don't want to do the, well, you can't end on the last one and not be successful. <laughs> I know. That's you got to be saying. successful on the last one. I don't want to turn the last one into a two year project. Exactly. <laughs> So we've got to be, we got to be smart with it. And we've got some, uh, we got a good group though. Yep. We do have a great, we'll, we'll get her, we'll get her figured out. Well, perfect, Matt. Thanks for, thanks for your time today yeah. and, and let you get back to the phones. And then I know you'll be traveling this weekend for some travel baseball. Yeah, here we go. Yep. So tournament, tournament starts this afternoon. So, oh, don't even, don't even, have full, don't even have the full day. And yeah, they come, <laughs> they come and they fast and they take up yeah. some serious time. Right on. Perfect. Thanks, well, I appreciate it, Mark. Take care. Thanks for all your support and downloads. If you like this episode, please go and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as that always helps. Do you want to book that hunt of a lifetime? Then give the team at Worldwide Trophy Adventures a call at 1-800-346-8747. Or if you want to start a tags portfolio for those limited entry tags, call 1-800-755-8247. Enjoy your journey.